Welcome to season two of the Melrose Place cast. I'm Mary, and I'm here to convince my friend Teach that Melrose Place is a trashy, trashy soap opera, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, I'm Teach. I'm here to convince my good friend Mary that this show counts as high art for the generations, a time capsule into the future, and the future is now. The future is indeed now. And you know what's great is this is not a recap podcast because we're too busy having all these intellectual debates. Yes, we highly recommend that you pair us with your rewatch of Melrose Place. It will um, enhance the artistic integrity of the show. Mm, I guess that's one way to put it. You know, I can't believe we've made it to season two already. How far along are we in the grand scheme of things? Uh, we're about uh, 11%. That seems lower than I would like. Well, there's the seven seasons, plus the reboot season. Oh, God. Uh, this season had the lowest number of episodes. I guess that's forward to. And we only had five special episodes in season one, so season two is going to get longer. Oh, boy. Buckle up. Hello and welcome to the Melrose Placecast. Today we are talking about season two, episode 28, titled The Bitch is Back. Woo! Ooh, is- she's back. Yes, yeah, she's back. I'm Mary. And I am TJ. Mary, this, this feels like it should be just a celebratory episode of the Melrose Placecast. It is a lot of excitement packed in. Um, you know, it's just exciting that the word bitch is in the title. Oh, Jesus Christ, the cat. I'm so sorry. Should we, just a second. No, get out. Go, go. Come on. No. Go I'm going to keep all this audio in. <laughs> no. No, it's terrible. It's a way to warn people about the dangers of cats. Oh, they are a lot. Yeah. They really are a lot. So you liked the episode. Yes, I did. Did you? <laughs> I did. You found it enjoyable. You found it stimulating. Found it artistic. Mm. It might be a little bit of a stretch. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. I um, saw several societal messages that writers are trying to put out. Can I tell you just a little bit of a teaser of some of them? Yes, please. You're going to catch a theme. <laughs> okay. Quote number one from Amanda Woodward. Whatever you need to do, you can do it on the weekend. <laughs> All right. Quote number two from Hillary. Oh, I don't know the last name of Hillary. I don't know. Hillary Woodward? I feel like it's probably not Woodward, but I don't know that for a fact. Well, Amanda's mother, Hillary, she says, he cooks, Chaz. <laughs> you know what? And then, that is a bonus. Yeah. That is a bonus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then finally, the last quote uh, comes from our good friend, Sweet Sydney. Oh, I'm getting a divorce, okay? Like the two of you will someday. <laughs> that was a high point for me. That was great. <laughs> and you knew I was going to bring it up. Yep. Uh, I, would, I would like to start with Amanda Woodward. Whatever you need to do, you can do it on the weekend. Okay. okay. So this is what happened. Billy and Allison uh, continue to suggest that they're going to get married this season. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Uh, Allison's father has a gift, Mary, a gift. Oh. He has hired one of Beverly Hills' most exclusive wedding planners and is footing the bill. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a relief. 
what a relief. They're thrilled. And <laughs> in debating whether or not, actually Billy and Allison are debating whether or not to accept this gift. And Allison says, and I had trouble not letting this be my higher point, but whatever. She <laughs> says, well, the bride's family is supposed to throw the wedding. Mm. Okay. Are we still doing that in 2021? I think I'm so. I'm sorry. It's I 2022 think... now. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I would suspect at the time the show was being made, yes, and probably still yes. To yeah, s- definitely when the show was being made. Yeah. I think now, in, depending on where you live and which cultural hole you're coming out of, yes. <laughs> oh, it just, that, that, like, that just blatant, oh my God. Oh my God, that's so gross. That is so gross. Why do we do that? My dad will never pay for anything, and that's why I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mary. Uh, but the wedding planner makes it clear to Allison that they've got a lot of decisions to make very quickly. And by we, she means she, the wedding planner, will make the decisions for Allison and just tell her. But she tells Allison she's going to need several days to take off of work to go do things. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know, what did Brown do? They looked at invitations when she called off her wedding. Is that what they were doing? Yeah, they were looking at invitations. Correct. Trying to trying to pick paper thickness. And Rhonda was like, you know what, actually, it's a no for me. <laughs> anyway, Allison goes to Amanda and says, I'm going to need some time off, at least a couple days. And Amanda practically laughs at her and says, uh, no, we're not doing that. And Allison says, come on, Amanda, be reasonable. It's my wedding. A wedding which, by the way, Amanda does not think is actually going to happen. No, I don't think a lot of people think it's going to happen, to be fair, but Amanda's the Alli- most about it. Yeah, Allison seems to believe it's going to happen, though. This week, yeah, she does. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the, the high art point that I'm making, there was this debate and discussion about whether or not Allison should be able to take some time off, and Amanda uh, captured the American overworked ethic. I think that's how I would like to phrase it. Is that fair? Yeah, I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. The overworked ethic of America uh, by saying anything you need to do, Allison, you can do it on the weekend. And it comes from this old mindset of your time is mine. I've paid for it. And so therefore you have to do what I say, etc. And it reminds me, Mary, that the eight hour work day, the 40 hour work week, one is a well earned, hard fought victory from unions. And we should all thank unions for that. Mm-hmm. But two, it was created in a time when only one working adult in a in a adult household was working, and the other one was there like doing housework. Yeah, nobody ever expected, <laughs> at least back then, for a person to work a full time job, which has morphed into fifty hours a week pretty regularly. I would say, yeah. And manage the household without anyone staying at home all the time. Um, And yet that's the the rat race we've all found ourselves in uh, prior to COVID. And now COVID has got a lot of us tapping out and it is making business leaders angry. Business leaders like Amanda Woodward, who thinks anything you need to do, you can do it on the weekend. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You you can say it. You can say it. I mean, I think you're right. I think it's pretty obvious that you're right. You can say it. You'll just plug me in saying it anyway, because I, I think you're right. I think it's pretty obvious that you're right, because I, I think you're right. I think it's pretty obvious that you're right, because I, I think you're right. I think it's pretty obvious that you're right. Uh, I, 
<laughs> the first part of when Amanda was griping at her and she said, you just begun to concentrate on work again after all of your relationship drama. <laughs> well, you <laughs> well, know, okay, that's fair. That's kind of fair. But I mean, I think the point you're making, yeah, I mean, I think there's still a very prevailing mentality that work time is for work and you should be assuming you will be working during the middle of the day if you're a person who works a regular nine to five and make your other plans at other times. Oh, okay. So you make it sound bad. <laughs> the other way. <laughs> yes, of course you should plan to be working while you're working. But this idea that um, this is, I think the, the, the suggestion Amanda seemed to be making was that Allison was trying to be lazy or get out of work or was not committed to her job just because she also had things happening in her personal life that were going to require some time and attention of which Allison was planning to use the company's currently stated paid time off policy for. And she was being made to feel like that paid time off is not actually hers to take. That is the point. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's pretty common too. I will, in Amanda's defense, again, point out Allison needs to take lots of time off for various personal issues. This happens pretty regularly. So not that she shouldn't have time, but I can maybe kind of understand why I'm like, you know, this Facebook seems to happen thing. a lot. Mary is, Mary is pro corporation. Got I, it. This is great. I hope there are some big business people listening and they're like, that one's got what it takes. Got to <laughs> get her on the team. Yeah. Get her, get her in a power suit and have her come in. Yeah. We have a sticker out. I'll do it. <laughs> you will. Poorly, but I'll do it. <laughs> well, that 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 uh, ends my first point, Barry. Did you have did you have an example of this show being less than the highest of art? <laughs> wow! I, wow! I, I'm debating where to start because really, all three main plot lines this week are are soaparama. What? Uh, you know what? I, I was gonna start somewhere else, but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of build a little bit on where you were. And okay. I call this one I know I'm not supposed to like the wedding planner, but even a stop stopped clock is right twice a day, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> um so as you mentioned, Allison's father has hired a fancy schmancy Beverly Hills wedding planner. Uh she reveals this to Billy when he gets home from work one night and he is eating food out of a pot like a dog. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Jesus, Mary. And also, to, I'd like to point out, Allison is, quite frankly, horny again, as decided having yeah. sex really again is fine. And I mean, good for her, you know, whatever. But it's weird. Uh, the <laughs> wedding planner, whose name is Sheila, which I don't know why that made me laugh. It just made me laugh. Uh, she has put, to, put weddings together fast before, but she says, this is going to be a new record. Uh, he has ponied up a handsome fee and daddy was very insistent. Only the best for my little girl. Allison's like, oh, you know, we don't want to get real fancy. And the wedding planner's like, this is your day, not my, your dad's. So it, this is your decision, but we got to do it now. And they also have to trust her because she knows what she's doing. And so Allison tries to start and she's like, well, you know, like one thing that's important to us is food. The wedding planner butts in and she's like, the food they're at, at the, re the restaurant they're at is great. Like they've got lamb and couscous. And she goes, what I like about this place is that they do flavors, but they're not too fussy for a man's taste. What do you think, William? You're a meat and potatoes kind of guy. And I was like, well, he is. She's not wrong. Uh, he's like, it's Billy. And he, that's no, a no, Mary. He's a SpaghettiOs and Lucky Charms kind of guy. <laughs> he's an ice cream while video dating kind of a guy. <laughs> 
Oh my god. So she just kind of barrels over them, and that's another recurring theme. Uh, she, the wedding planner is like, wouldn't this restaurant be perfect for the reception? And she's like, you know, Allison, you should stand by your man on this decision. And she runs off to get menus, and Allison is mad because she's like, this lady's taking over. Billy's like, well, your dad's paying for it, so we might as well just let her do it. And Allison goes, stand by your man. What a load. <laughs> uh, anyway, they, they go like the next day or the same day. It's unclear. I think it might be the same day because I think they're wearing the same outfits. Uh, they're back at Jane's apartment with Sheila, the wedding planner. Jane has a dress on a dress form. And I know I'm harsh on Jane, and I'm going to continue because this dress is ridiculous. Like What? It's granted, I'll give her this. I don't think it's fully put together, but for some reason there's a giant bow up on the top. Like it and I was like, is that supposed to get attached to the dress or be a hat? It was very unclear at the time. Uh Allison's like, Oh, this is our friend Jane, and you know, maybe your other clients would like some Mancini designs. I was like, Oh <laughs> and the lady Oh yes, you're so talented. And then they get outside, she's like, Allison, you must be kidding. You said your dress was white. That is practically eggshell. It's not gonna go with anything else. And that design is very last year. Allison is offended. And she's like, I think the design is beautiful. And you said yourself, she's very talented. And the lady says the best line, maybe I'll see them. She goes, well, I have manners. (laughs) Yes. Talk talk about how bad Jane is at designing clothing. She brushes it off. She's like, you know, we got to do more. We got to go get William a tux tomorrow. Allison's like, I already got a deal on tuxes. I was picturing men's warehouse. And she's like, well, the groomsmen will wear those. Like Billy should be dressed special, like, because he's the groom. Billy again butts in. He's like, I prefer to be called Billy. Allison's like, why does the sex have to be Italian? And the wedding planner just leaves. <laughs> right. uh, the next day, they're waiting for the wedding planner to show up. And he's whining. He's like, isn't the reception where we just go around thanking everybody and then we leave early? <laughs> oh, God, you're such a whiny. Yeah, that, that's not right, is it? You don't I leave don't, your I, wedding reception early. That seems like the fun part. But I don't know. I've not had a wedding reception. Uh Allison Pouch, she's like, well, the wedding reception matters because it's the party that sends us off on our entire life together. And I'm like, oh, you're Shut one of those women who's like, oh, this will change everything. I'm like, no, you're already a disaster. You're going to keep being a oh. disaster if you get married. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, they want, she, Allison wants to decide on this reception place before Sheila gets there because she's going to run over them. Billy's like, this is all getting to be too much. Allison shouts out a suggestion and he just goes, fine. And then the wedding planner gets there. Uh, but it's not the wedding planner. It's Jane. And she goes, you know, if you wanted to fire me, Allison, you could have told me yourself. And she says, you know how much work I put into that dress. And I was like, ah, question mark. Uh, Allison doesn't know what she's talking about. And Jane's like, well, Sheila just called me five minutes ago from her Mercedes. And she said you picked out another dress that looks like something Caroline Kennedy wore. And Allison's like, no, I'm wearing your dress. I want to look like me. I'm like, do you? Do Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, geez. That dress is so bad. Mary, come on. What was wrong with the dress? It was a mess. We're we got to let it go. Uh, wedding planner shows up. She like tries to like kiss up to Jane. She's like, "Oh, no hard feelings." Yes. Do you do tablecloths? <laughs> <laughs> I laughed. I had to pause and I laughed so hard. Uh, Allison's like, I'm, "I'm gonna wear Jane's dress," and she was like, "Well, it's open for discussion." And you know, we just found something else. And Allison's like, "You went behind my back." And Sheila's like, well, I spoke to William about it at the tuck shop. And he chimes in. He goes, it's Billy and you're fired. Ooh. And she's like, what? What will your father say? And Allison's like, sorry, Sheila. I'm going to have to stand by my man on this one. Ooh. 
Allison. And then she like gets one more zing and she goes, I'm billing your dad for everything. If you won't have enough money left to have your wedding at a bus station. And she leaves and Billy goes, shooters? And I was like, does that mean they're going to shooters or he's suggesting shooters for the wedding? Either or. <laughs> uh, the final scene of the episode, my favorite scene, it's very short. Allison and Billy are getting home from shooters. Uh, he says shooters can do the catering. They'll just have the wedding by the pool because they have buffalo wings and little fried onion rings. And Allison's like, we're getting married in the place we fell in love in front of all of our friends. This is the way it was meant to be. Uh, they start kissing. Sydney walks in. Sydney, we'll get into her in a little while. She's had a rough day. Uh, Billy's like, what are you doing here? And she says, I live here again. Not like it's any of your business. And then she looks at them and she goes, I'm getting a divorce. Just like the two of you will someday. <laughs> Holy shit, Sydney, good job. Uh, this whole storyline was very entertaining. But, uh, you know, the, the wedding planner is kind of a bitch. I, I can't argue with that. But she's not, I don't think she's completely wrong about them needing to basically just like, shut up and get out of the way because if they want to have this wedding as fast as they say they want to like these two have not been able to make a single decision together since they got engaged about anything it just keeps going on and on clearly they probably need a wedding planner to help them because they're inept uh also they they, maybe they need someone sometimes to just take over because like they don't get anywhere on their own because otherwise they will literally just get married at shooters i guarantee okay um a couple things so First, I have a sister-in-law named Sheila. Oh. Uh, actually married to my brother that was the guest a couple episodes ago. Oh, well, that's exciting. And I will just say, the way you describe Sheila from Melrose Place is fitting of all the Sheilas I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll say that. Well, I did also say I kind of liked Sheila, even though she was a bit... <laughs> like, so I'm safe. I don't know about you. But... <laughs> I, oh, I adore Sheila. Uh, <laughs> second, uh, I want to ping off of Billy saying, you know, they've got buffalo wings at Shooters. That could just work for the wedding. <laughs> I was on a committee once, Mary, to plan a conference. Okay. Oh. Hmm? And so the, the good people of our listenership, if they haven't heard, I'm a vegan. I don't talk about that very much. I don't really indicate it, but I am. And, but back then I was just a lowly vegetarian. Uh-huh. So I had the vision but lacked the commitment. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we were planning a social, um, and it was going to be at a casino with hors d'oeuvres being a casino slash museum, two, two venues. You could pass back and forth. And at the museum, they were going to have hors d'oeuvres served, and people would be semi-dressed up, right? Mm-hmm. Can I tell you what these dumbasses were planning to feed people? I, I hope that you will. Chicken wings. <laughs> they were going. They were picking out the different kind of chicken wings, and it took me, the vegetarian, because I wasn't committed enough to say, "Um, you guys, it, I, I don't know if like maybe I'm misunderstanding how you eat these chicken wings." <laughs> but maybe they're boneless at a place where there's no tables. <laughs> Of like a cocktail reception, that this just doesn't feel like the right approach. Were they more like nuggets, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. We we did successfully move to something else. <laughs> and the third thing, and now this rebuts you directly, Mary. That never happens. 
Yes, Sydney had a bad day. That's a fair way to get you to say it. And we'll get to that later. I imagine that's one of your points. <laughs> but when Sydney said she's moving back into Melrose places at the end of the episode um, and clearly frustrated, I'm getting a divorce, okay? Like the two of you will someday. <laughs> I thought Sydney was capturing something about the institution of marriage that we were all just beginning to accept in the 90s. Okay. Which is as great as marriage is. Oh my gosh, Mary. I love marriage. You can't get enough of it. I, I can't. One more and that's it. <laughs> I'm holding you to it. <laughs> Don't worry. Anyway, <laughs> what we were learning is, is that 50% of marriages end in divorce. Okay. Sure. And that's really what Sydney was putting out there. And I want the record to show, although Sydney was being smarmy, to Billy and Allison, she was reflecting more faith in their relationship than most people have because she was assuming they do get married. <laughs> ah, that's a really good point. I'm a little sad I didn't think of that myself. Yeah, but that's, I think, the point Sydney was making is that, look, 50% of marriages end in divorce. But we as a society, do you remember that kind of dawning moment when people really started, like when that kind of entered into the mainstream consciousness? I mean, not really, because I was a little young. Maybe, but talking about in general. Well, I remember because, you know, already at that young age, I just loved marriage so much and I I couldn't couldn't help but imagine in 1994 marrying the man of my dreams legally, you know. And then getting divorced. (laughs) Uh, Nope, that was a different man. Anyway, (laughs) uh... I just proving your point, 50%. That's all. 50%, 50%. And I think that's the... You're holding. Good job. That's the high art point Sydney was making, is that marriage is not uh, a permanent institution, and it does not need to be. And that there are things... uh, America has this perception that the only successful relationship is one that ends with someone dead. (laughs) One way or another. One way or another. And anything short of that means the, the relationship, the marriage was a failure. And Dan said, this is ideas ripped directly from Dan Savage, but Dan Savage always says, you know, there are successful short-term relationships. There are long-term relationships that end that were successful. And we need to not think of those as failures. And I think that's what Cindy was saying. She didn't fail in her relationship with Michael. She just <laughs> stopped. <laughs> not by her choice. And suddenly. Yeah. I don't know. Did I, did I persuade you, Mary? I'm going to have to say no. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All I've got left is he cooks, Chaz. That's my final argument. This is, <laughs> look, not my week. Not my week. You know what? I respect that you keep trying, even in the face of these odds. Well, I don't have to tell you, Mary, but the bitch is back. And this week's episode of the Melrose Placecast is sponsored by Dr. Kimberly Shaw. What? Again. So she's been busy in her uh, period of convalescence, right? So obviously she's creating all sorts of new products, the Wondrous Weather Widget, which we heard about. But she's also getting, dabbling into the service economy. Now, you know, on Mulholland and Vine was Dr. Shaw's marriage counseling. Oh, RIP. Who didn't love marriage counseling? Well, you know, let's just say it didn't work out well as a business venture. Oh. oh, so she shuttered that, 
And instead, she's the revolutionary pioneer for this new service, which I am so excited to tell you about. Oh, it's called yeah. Dr. Shaw, The Art of the Reveal. Oh, oh wow. Yes, oh, wow. the reveal, Mary, not the reveal. Okay, I'm with because you. Because Dr. Shaw was the first, I'm going to say it, the first drag queen on national television to do a wig snatch. Oh my God. And to think we just watched it again. And we just watched it again. It was television history in the making. And it was something, it was a sight to behold. And now Dr. Shaw is offering her brilliant strategies on wig reveals and other kind of reveals to anyone who wants to make a statement. Holy crap, this is exciting. It's so exciting. Now, she's been operating this business for a while. People haven't really noticed yet. But you know who she has caught on with? Who? Drag queens. What? Every one of her major clients so far has been a nationally known drag queen. Can I tell you some of the great examples of Dr. Shaw's work, which you're familiar with, but probably didn't realize it was Dr. Shaw? I, I feel like you're about to blow my mind. I can't wait. I am going to just rip it right out of your head like it's a wig. <laughs> I hope it leaves a gnarly scar. <laughs> no, you don't. That would be terrible. But listen, <laughs> here's one example. Uh, it was um, the season nine finale of RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay. Miss Peppermint herself is dancing to Stronger by Britney Spears. You remember the moment? I do. I do. And she's wearing this outfit that almost looked a little steelish in nature, almost like um, almost like an armored skirt, if you will, if they make such a thing. Sure, sure. And we're moving to the climax, right? There's the the night, typical 90s pop song fallout. Here I am, here I am. And then Peppermint reaches behind her, plays with her belt, and she does a little spin. And as she spins, the skirt falls away to reveal a whole new outfit, which had been there the whole time. That is the work of Dr. Shaw. And that put Peppermint in the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race, in the final two. Wow, I had no idea Dr. Shaw was involved in that. Oh, it gets better. Uh, let me tell you one more. We're talking Violet Chachki. You didn't think she was, Dr. Shaw was working back in season six, but in fact, she was. We had Violet Chachki on the Fashion Runway Challenge of RuPaul's Drag Race come out in a black number with just a little bit of red tartan accents. Mm -hmm. Do you remember this? Sure. And then Violet Chachki, with all the joy in her eyes that she normally has, she's a very unpleasant person, <laughs> just undoes her belt, drops the outfit, and boom, under that little black number was an entirely red tartan outfit, making even Carson Kressley, the guy from the original Queer as Folk, lose his shit. That was not Violet Chachki's genius. It was Dr. Shaw's. Wow. She's really made an impact. She has. Now, some people have thoughts, do I really need to hire Dr. Shaw? Can't I just do my own reveal? Yeah. Well, Mary, that doesn't turn out well. Let me tell you some examples of that. Okay. We had Asia O'Hara tried that. Oh, is she ever embarrassed? That didn't go well. It did not go well. So it was a season 10 finale, and she's in her little dance-off number, and she's got... Um, Madonna-style breasts made of netting for no reason? It was unclear. It was unclear. And then she slowly, first she does her wrist, and then she opens up her breasts 
so that butterflies will fly away to give this metaphor of hope and optimism. So she said, what happened was she had terrorized these butterflies and they just lay stunned on the ground while everybody's mouth was agape. <laughs> All those poor butterflies. She should have hired Dr. Shaw, who would have told her, don't use live animals in your act. No, not when they're tucked in your clothes, especially. Or speaking of tucked, Trinity the tuck. Mm. She's she's gotta do a number lip syncing for her legacy to spin spin you right round. Yeah. And for reasons unbeknownst to anybody, she just disrobes and is dressed in an old lady suit. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Complete with boobs that came down to her knees. Well, gravity takes its toll, you know? Yeah, but here's the thing. It had nothing to do with the song. That was the problem. If Trinity had hired Dr. Shaw instead of another plastic surgeon, it would have made sense. I guess we'll never know. But you know what we will know, Mary? What? The crowning achievement of Dr. Shaw's The Art of the Reveal. Okay. Picture it. So Emotional by Whitney Houston is playing. Oh, what a song. Oh, my God. I get so emotional, baby. We've got Sasha Velour, the artsy queen, who was not expected to win. That's fair. Sure. And Dr. Shaw trained Sasha on the slow buildup to the reveal. So at one point in at the first chorus, Sasha rips off a glove, a gold glove, and red rose petals scatter through the air. It was such a cute moment. Second chorus, she does it again, other hand, more roses, although we saw the roses coming. I think at that point, yeah. And then the song is coming to its crescendo, Mary. I'm literally getting goosebumps. I really am getting goosebumps thinking about it. And Sasha Velour with shaking hands, grabs her red wig. Not a coincidence. I'm sure not. And slowly shakes it up. And what falls out of her head, Mary? It's not butterflies. Rose petals scatter everywhere. The crowd goes wild. And that person that Sasha Velour was dancing against knew that all hope was lost. But that was such a moment. And it was all thanks to Dr. Shaw, the art of the reveal. Wow. To think we were enjoying her handiwork all this time without knowing it. We were. Now, Dr. Shaw, the art of the reveal, is going off of the main stage, and you can now hire her to help jazz up your work meetings. Oh, wow. Yeah. Picture it. Picture it. You walk into a a staff meeting that is inexplicably scheduled at 8 a.m. on a Monday. Why would someone do that? And you got a you got a box of bagels. Okay. And you set them out, and people are thinking, oh, "Okay, great, a bagel that can't be toasted. Fine." <laughs> Doctor Shaw will train you to be dramatic, slowly lift the lid, talking about how you had trouble getting to the bagel shop, and then boom, frosting covered donuts on the inside. What? Oh my God. I would much rather have a frosty covered donut, let's be honest. Exactly. The Art of the Reveal by Dr. Shaw. Also, they're way flashier than bagels. Like They are. It's sprinkles. That's what Dr. Shaw, she's going to think through everything with you and help you come up with the best moments to leave people gooped and gagged. Gooped which gagged. Which, I'm told, is a good thing. Yes. It, I mean, I'm going to be honest, it, it doesn't sound great, but I believe it. <laughs> 
That's just my Mary, can can you think of a reveal moment you would like to hire Dr. Shaw for? Wow. Um God, what do I ever reveal? Um I, I mean I work from home right now, so I guess I maybe she could help me. I have a weekly five minute meeting with my team, which is the <laughs> It is the great. What do you do in five minutes? We, everything gets done. It's, that's all we need. We've got five minutes. Okay, we're good. Uh, maybe. Do you guys not like each other? No, we do. We just well, we're we're on teams all day, so we talk anyway. But this is this is the official. It's supposed to be fifteen minutes, but we're always done in five, which is great. Okay, all right, uh, good, good. I have no complaints. Um, well, maybe Doctor Shaw could help me come up with an exciting reveal for that. Although we don't turn our cameras on either, so maybe. Is it really a meeting then? It is really a meeting. Uh, shockingly, compared to the place I used to work, you can have a meeting on Teams without having all your cameras on. It works. I, I don't understand. <laughs> but the, picture it, Mary. That's the setup Dr. Shaw needs. So you're in this five-minute meeting. Cameras off. Everybody thinks this is just going to be a short meeting, right? Just a quick yeah. little five-minute little rinky-dinky booby-boo. Yep, and then, yep. boom, you flip your camera on to reveal a seven-point agenda. <laughs> buckle up everybody we're taking all 15 minutes this week that, but i feel like that's not what i want to do i feel like i i would like to get the meeting to five minutes okay I, well I, then what if i have a flash boom. cameras on at the five minute mark and you're walking away <laughs> am i taking off a wig and throwing rose petals <laughs> no <laughs> yeah you could do that but a, a better approach would be one of those little spinny numbers where as you spin, yeah, your black Afro wig like Brooklyn Heights had comes off, your caftan comes up and rips the wig and the caftan off at the same time to reveal a little nighty and a long blonde wig. Wow. I do have a chair that spins, so I could do that. The, oh my God, the spin as you're gone, right? As it's behind you, you the <laughs> reveal takes place then. Mary, this is perfect. You, you better get on the horn with Dr. Shaw as soon as you can. I, how do I get in touch with her? Uh, mind meld. By what? Mind meld. Okay. Yeah, she's, you, that, that scar was the 5G being put in. She was a pioneer there too. So she doesn't have the COVID vaccine because she got the 5G back in 1994. <laughs> 5G, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like that. Yeah, so you just, you just communicate telepathically. Oh, well, I, what if I don't have the 5G? Can I text her? Uh, then stay away from me if you haven't gotten the COVID vaccine. <laughs> you shouldn't be around people. Which is, people don't want me around, so that's fine. I'm worried. I do worry that I sound a little bit judgy to people who aren't vaccinated when I mean to sound a lot bit judgy. <laughs> and we are back for the second half of season two. Episode 28 of the Melrose Place cast, we are discussing the bitches back. And I am going to call party foul for the first time the word bitch appears in the title, and it is not about Amanda. <laughs> uh, I'm Mary, and I will support that contention. I think that's fair. And I'm Teach. And Mary, do you remember that Super Bowl from some time ago? Where it was really lopsided, and it ended like 50 to 2? No, but I believe you that it happened. It was something like that. And I, I, don't, I don't remember the details or really care to look it up. But that's how I feel like this week is going to go in our debate. It's, it's really lopsided. 
Yeah. I, and I feel like I, I say this with, with care. Uh, oh, really? I feel like this is going to continue lopsided for a little while. From what I remember of me <laughs> coming up, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot that's coming here, Ed. <laughs> um, remember, remember, they had to postpone the bombing because it was too real relative to the, the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it won't be as hard for me as you think. You know what? If nothing else, I'm confident that you're sure going to try. Yeah. Well, Mary, why don't you get us started? I don't have much left this week. <laughs> Well, then I think it's time that we go for the big kahuna. I call this one, The Bitch is Back. (laughs) Copyright infringement. Oh, this is a parody podcast. Elton John's coming after us. Sorry, Elton. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, All right. Let's just go in here. Uh, Michael and Sydney. Settle in. Settle in, everybody. Just just get a nice comfy chair. Think about what's about to happen here. Uh, Michael and Sydney are walking on the beach in their bathrobes drinking coffee. You know, it's a day where he feels like he could take over the world. And she goes, you've already done that. Oh, they're so supportive. Uh, they're just having a nice time. Uh, she says, I'm going to get out of the hooker business for good. She's got one more <laughs> hotel party to run. But then she's out of the hooker business and she's just going to be a doctor's wife full time. Michael is thrilled. He says, no one has ever done that for me before. I'm like, oh. Yeah, this bitch. Oh, my wow. God. That reminds me. Do you remember when Billy moved in with Amanda and he was like, Allison never did my laundry for me. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> oh these men. Uh, she says she'll be home late tonight, but it's the last time. And from then on, she'll take care of him any way he wants. Uh, saying there's like a revolving shot that goes around them, sort of swirling on the sand. Michael looks back at the beach house and he stops short because what, what is it that he sees? Is that Kimberly? Is she? The is ghost she- of Kimberly Shaw? The ghost. Uh, Weird. Blinks, but then he doesn't see her anymore. And it's like, oh, okay, but there's wailing guitars, so we know something's going on. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. Later that night, Sydney is off at her hooker party. Michael's at home by himself. He's drinking a beer and reading a book, which I don't know if I buy the second half of that sentence. Uh, He's in bed. He hears something, and he calls (laughs) up. He thinks Sydney's home, and he goes out to the kitchen to investigate. Bear in mind, it is inexplicably yet another dark and stormy night in Los Angeles. I thought they didn't get a lot of this weather, but okay. Uh, lightning flashes, and we see Kimberly standing at the end of the counter, and Michael kind of rubs his eyes. He flicks on the lights, and Kimberly is there. It's real, and she says, oh, it's nice to see you again, Michael, and the thunder rolls. Michael's confused. He says, is it really you? She says, maybe, or maybe you're going crazy, and the lightning flashes really bright, and he winces, and he looks back. She's still there, and she goes, of course it's me, silly. Do you want to touch me to make sure I'm real? She comes out and holds out her hands, and they touch, and she kind of does spirit fingers. It's a little weird. Uh, she says, rumors of my death, as they say, were premature. He's shocked. And she says, Michael, I've lost so much time. I was in a coma for months. There's a huge gap in my life, and I've come back to fill it. And I was like, that sounds like a euphemism. I'm going to be honest. Wage gap. Wage gap. Uh, he's like, but you were dead. Your mother said you were dead. And she goes, I know. She always was a bit controlling. And that was overstepping it, don't you think? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was supposed to make me laugh, but it did. Uh, he can't believe that her mother did that. And she's like, you know, she was just trying to protect me. She would die if she knew I was here talking with you. But here I am. And he goes, oh, my God, I've missed you. And he's touching her. And he's like, if I had known, I would have been there for you. And she goes, it's all right. Really? <laughs> okay. 
Uh, she says she's as good as new. There's more thunder and lightning. Michael's like, I made mistakes, baby. I'm sorry. And she touches his face and kisses him. And she goes, don't worry about it. I still have this. And she holds up her hand with the engagement ring on it, lest we forget they got engaged. And she goes, that means I still have you. Michael makes an oh shit face. And he's like, oh, I got to tell you something. <laughs> she brushes it off with a, not now. I have to go. I have a big day at the hospital tomorrow. <laughs> Oh boy, the thunder rolls and she dramatically walks through the living room out to the big doors that look at the ocean. Like, oh my God, the drama. Uh, he wakes up the next morning. Sydney is kissing him and he's very confused because he, I think, I would assume he's questioning if he dreamt all that. Uh, yeah, that's definitely what they're going for. Uh, Sydney's trying to get in his pants, but he's like, no, I got to go to work. And so she's like, mm, okay. Uh, he gets to work and Kimberly is excited because she has her old locker back. It's almost as if the last five months never happened. <laughs> okay. Uh, people in the hallways keep looking at her funny. You're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah Mike, you were dead. You were dead, Kimberly. Very dead, as far as everyone knew. And he's like, you know, when I heard you died, grief, confusion, uh, I got married. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, really? To whom? Which is always trouble if someone says to whom, because that means, like, they're ahead of you. And they've, they're, they're probably smarter than you. And... She goes, uh, yeah, I married... I think you're projecting, but okay. <laughs> uh, he says, I married Sydney. And he goes, you know, the way it happened, it was complicated. It's kind of hard to explain. It was blackmail, really. <laughs> she slams her locker, and there's an evil guitar like it. She goes, it doesn't matter why you did it, Michael. You're just going to have to get rid of her. She says, maybe I didn't make myself clear last night. I'd come back to claim what's mine, and you're the first thing on my list. And she kisses him, and he looks real confused. Michael goes home for lunch, and Sydney's all excited. She's like, do you want me to make you a sandwich? And he goes, I want a divorce. <laughs> and she doesn't understand, and nor should she. And she's like, this isn't funny. And he's like, no, like, I woke up from a bad dream, and I want to start all over. She's like, I can really screw up your life. Like, I will tell people what you did. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's forget. She's calling in the blackmail. She sure is. He just grabs her and pushes her toward the bedroom. He's like, put your clothes in a bag and get out. And she's like, I'm going to do it, you smug piece of scum. I'll ruin you. And he goes, don't, don't call names. And that's not okay. She says, you're going to go to prison and you're going to be the wife. And I'm like, oh, that's inappropriate. Yeah, that, oh, Sydney. That was How did, they, could not, they should not have made that joke. No, they shouldn't have. But they did. Uh, later, we come back to the hospital. There's a detective there. And there's a lineup that features Michael, Sydney, and Matt standing in a row. Uh, he, the detective says that Sydney has made some allegations about Kimberly's death. And the cop asks Michael... If he was drinking, and Michael's like, no, and Sydney's just making this up because they're getting divorced. He asks Matt if he had access to the blood alcohol records, and Matt kind of almost, uh, no, no, not really, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I would have been so suspicious because Michael is standing like so nervously. He's got his arms folded and he's all tense. I'm like, hmm, okay. Uh, Kimberly walks in, and Michael says, Excuse me, detective, doesn't a homicide usually mean there's a deceased person? And he introduced Kimberly, and uh, Sydney faints, and Matt catches her. And he and the detective put her on a very conveniently placed gurney. Kimberly says, finally, the reaction I've been looking for. <laughs> and it made me laugh. Uh, Kimberly and Michael go to dinner and uh, he's, he's making fun of Sydney. Uh, Kimberly says, you know, you didn't look all that great either. When you first saw me, you looked pretty freaked out. Um, he wants to drink more. And she's like, no, we're going to eat now. And he's like, you know, I, she was upset. She felt like he had deserted her when she was in the hospital. And he's like, I love you, baby. And, She's being kind of weird, and she takes out a prescription bottle, and she gets headaches, so she takes some pills. One more scene. We come home. Uh, Michael and Kimberly are doing it. There's a lot of artsy slow motion shots of them rolling around. 
she hops off of him and goes into the bathroom. And when she's in there, she digs in her purse and she gets off that bottle of pills and she takes another one and she's grabbing her head like it hurts and she's looking in the mirror. She's rubbing her temples. You know, we've all done that. When you have a headache, you stand and look mm-hmm. in the mirror. Apples. And then she reaches up along the side of her head and she kind of grabs a hold of her hair. What, what's this? What's happening? She pulls off a wig, Teej. <laughs> There's a huge scar on the side of her head and she's got her hair is like growing back in underneath and she stares at herself in the mirror and they really get close to that scar and I'm like, oh, it's the mother of all wig reveals. The bitch is back. She is back. And look, that wig reveal, first of all, it was an iconic moment that captured America's attention. Yes. Um, it's yeah. one, of the, one of the first things you think of when you think of Melrose Place. Yes. Um, but far be it from me to be critical of the writers. <laughs> no, no. But I would like to have a word with, with them directly right now. So um, writers, I assume you're listening. Yeah. Oh, this, yeah. this was such an impactful moment. I am so bitter that you gave us a whole episode of Kimberly like wandering through town and in the hospital. The way it should have come was how I remembered it, which was she was gone, she was gone, she was gone. And the first we see of her is when she has that sex scene with Michael and then rips her wig off. That should have been the end of the first. That should have been when Kimberly first showed up. And then the next day, we do this, she shows up at the hospital and she talks to Michael and all of that. Oh. So, yeah, that was wrong. Um, <laughs> and I think for that reason and, and maybe that reason alone, I might have to agree that it wasn't high art for the generations. Um, <laughs> but it was interesting to see that Sydney did pull the trigger on attempting to use the blackmail on Michael. I thought I was not convinced that she would. Yeah, I didn't remember for sure how that all went. Yeah. But it was also interesting to see that in the moment, even though Matt had a signed confession with Jane, <laughs> that as far as he knew, Michael and Sydney still had a copy of. Yeah. That he would just lie to the police officer. Well, yeah, because he didn't know about Kimberly at that point. Like, he didn't have any. Yeah. Unless- I understood oh. Michael's smugness, but not Matt's. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. I, Although at this point, Matt's in so deep that, I mean, maybe he just has to keep going with the lie. I don't know. Well, I think he's in the clear now. I think they're in the clear now. So all he saved oh. Michael from was a DWI ticket. Oh, man. I'm sorry. That's Wisconsin. It's more than just a ticket <laughs> everywhere else. <laughs> you know, you get up to four of them. You collect all four. And then something happens. <gasps> saying it's okay it's just how it works isn't it i don't know i've never had one because i don't barely yeah. drink anything yeah. uh. well there we go mary can i since i can't argue your points about this particular storyline can i make my best effort at what remains i would love it if you'd try so here's what's still on the table hillary michaels i looked it up it's michaels hillary michaels is on the scene the yeah. owner of models inc we see this because sarah a named model in Joe's fashion shoot. Did you notice that was weird when Joe started referring to them all by name? Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't normally do that. No, because they don't matter. Yeah, they don't matter. But this one does, because this is the beginning of the Model Sync spinoff, which we need to decide what we're going to do about that, Mary. Yeah, we do. Yeah. 
We do. Okay, we do it. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> th this is the beginning of the, the spin-off storyline. Uh, Amanda shows up at the shoot. Sarah, we learn, is doing great work with Joe. And Amanda says, I told you never to hire anyone from Models, Inc. She's fired. And the kid, the, the Sarah says, what did I do wrong? And Amanda said, you joined the wrong agency, kid. <laughs> I like okay. when Amanda talks like a 1940s sports reporter. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, it backfired on her because Bruce comes yelling at Amanda because the owner of Model Zinc, yet to be identified, called and yelled at Bruce. And Bruce said, I looked at the records. You have effectively blackballed Model Zinc from D&D advertising. And that is not your call to make. Amanda mm -hmm. started to say something, and he said, you don't talk, you listen. And I was like, sir, you do not talk to Amanda Woodward that way. <laughs> she will have your job and hang you out to dry. Oh, Hashtag boy. spoiler alert. Thanks. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. And he says, we're going to have a meeting with Models, Inc. We're going to hire Models, Inc. models. And I, he said, you're going to come in, into that meeting, and I expect you to grovel. Mm. Amanda Woodward. Amanda but Woodward. She grovels for nothing. Nothing. No one. Well, <laughs> this is what happens. The meeting is happening and in comes Amanda. And what is clearly a surprise to Hillary Michaels, she was not expecting Amanda, but Amanda was clearly expecting her. And we learned that the owner of Models, Inc. is Amanda's estranged mother. Amanda's mother left when she was 12, which does check out with a backstory from season one. Yeah. And Amanda is yelling at Jake about how much she doesn't, Jake gets involved and tries to tell Amanda to make up with her mother. And Amanda yells at Jake about that um, and is not interested. But next we then see Hillary and her boyfriend are out to dinner with Amanda and Jake. Did I miss the connection that made that make sense? Um, it was pretty weak. So yeah, she was yelling at Jake for, for talking to her mother and Jake kind of took it but then at the end he's like you know my parents were jerks too but they're still part of me whether I like it or not and so I think they were implying there that like that was supposed to be food for thought for her and maybe that's how they got to the dinner oh wait no they had to go to the dinner because it was quote unquote a business dinner I for the record for the record Jake kicked his mother out of his apartment off her couch and put her on a bus to the middle of nowhere so he can sit down <laughs> Poor Stella, who was good friends with Sandy, got kicked to the curb. She was a waitress. Yeah. Just wait. Anyway, yeah, so they're all having dinner, the four of them. And one thing of note, uh, Chaz starts to uh, play footsie with Amanda, running his foot up Amanda, high up Amanda's leg. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, but as they're, as they're talking, Amanda's bragging about her boyfriend, Jake, who apparently is quite a good cook. I don't know that that's been established. Although he was cooking for the teenager, for Kelly. <laughs> he said he can make steak, burgers. What was the other thing? I wrote it down. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I paid attention because these are important things. I want to find men who cook. He can marinate steaks. He can make burgers and the occasional corn on the cob. And of course, don't forget his naughty nog. His, his naughty dog, Jake's naughty dog. But <laughs> anyway, Hillary uh, gets excited, eyes wide, and she turns to her boyfriend and says, he cooks, Chaz. And this is high art because, again, Melrose Place has always been doing this battle of the sexes bullshit. And 
the expectation that a man would not cook is what is clearly infused in Hillary's uh, initial comments. Um, and that's what I think was higher for the generations, capturing the, the substantially low expectations for the amount of effort that gentlemen should be putting into household responsibilities. <laughs> uh. that's, that's what I got. <laughs> well, this is awkward because I was going to talk about how trashy the storyline was. I don't get it, Mary. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, do you want me to just launch in? Let's do it. All right. I call this one, We Meet the Ex-Mrs. Daddy and Model. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, I won't recap, but I will find... Okay, so they're having a photo shoot on the beach, like you mentioned, with Joe and this model, Sarah. The clothes they are wearing... I believe are true to the time because I remember getting catalogs, even though I never shopped in them because I lived in a rural area and my parents wouldn't order things from catalogs. Uh, was there one called Delia's? You probably don't remember, but there was one that was like sent to teenage girls. I think it was called Delia's and they had like quote unquote cool clothes, like the cool stuff that they didn't have at JCPenney where you lived in your rural town. Uh, and so these models are wearing these dresses that, again, I believe really existed because I kind of remember seeing pictures of them. But they're like, they're wearing like frilly aprons and they're carrying parasols. And then they're wearing like Easter bonnets. It was very confusing. I did not understand what these outfits were. Then Amanda shows up on the beach and I can only describe her outfit as like, it's a business suit, but she's wearing like this really vest that looks like a corset. It's like something like... A, a serving wench at a beer garden would wear on Jesus, Mary. <laughs> outfit to wear to this. So weird. She looks great because she's Amanda, but still, it's weird. It was a weird look. Um, the whole thing happens like you describe, where she gets called out. She hasn't been hiring models, Zinc models. Uh, she goes in, and we have the big reveal like, oh, it's her mother. Ta da. And there's a commercial break, of course, which is very soapy. Um, they get into it. Hillary's like, I'm sorry I got you into this and you had to apologize in front of your superiors. And Amanda clarifies, the only superior in the room was Bruce. The other ones were just there to humiliate me. <laughs> like, oh. Um, she's like, I didn't even know where you were all these years. And Amanda's like, Daddy told me where you were. All I wanted to do is make sure I had nothing to do with you. Uh, and Hillary's happy. She's like, you know, sometimes business has a way of bringing people together. Uh, she was sorry to hear about what happened to Dad. But unfortunately, he never believed in an honest day's work. He was always after a quick buck. And Amanda's like, we might have to do business together, but don't you ever talk bad about daddy. <laughs> oh, God, daddy. Um, she is not going to let this go. She's like, you left when I was a kid. And I'm never going to get over it. Uh, she, Hillary calls her Mandy, which I believe will come up again in a future episode. Uh, did you remember that came up with Jake? Yes. Yeah, that's he what called I called her Mandy. She did not like it. That has not happened yet, but it will soon <laughs> Uh, she talks about the day she left and how she felt so bad because she went in Amanda's room and she looked at all her little 12-year-old girl things and she felt like she would die when she left. And Amanda's like, well, you did it anyway, didn't you? And like <laughs> Hillary foreshadowing, she's like, there are things you don't know about daddy and his lawyers. Ooh, we'll, we'll learn more about that later. Uh, Hillary, like you said, shows up at Myro's place. Uh, Jake answers the door. Amanda's not home. They have kind of a fairly heartfelt moment. Like, again, she's very excited that he knows how to cook two things. It's exciting. Uh, she's emotional. Low expectations for men. Low expectations. Um, she looks around and she's like, I'm just so proud of Amanda. Like, she's built this good life. She works so hard and she's with a guy who's nice to her. And, uh, 
you know, she, so at first she kind of had lied to Jake when she got there. She's like, oh, I'm here because we're planning a business meeting. And then she's like, I really just wanted to come see her. Jake is very sympathetic and empathetic. And he's like, let me try to talk with her and see if I can like loosen this up a little. And again, Amanda, that does not work on her. Uh, (laughs) Very upset. Uh, She's mad at Jake. She's like, you know how I feel about her. You know, why are you caring if I even make up with her? What is it? I'm not good enough the way I am. You got to jump in and make me cozy with my mommy and make me softer. What do you think? I go, oh, thank you for making me whole again. I'm like, you know what? That's not an unfair thing for her to say in that moment. I think I, I felt like that was for Amanda, a realistic concern she would have. Uh, Jake's like, no, what's your problem? And she's like, I don't want to get hurt again. I opened up to you. I shared all these private things with you. I need you to promise to respect my feelings about this. Uh, ever want to talk about her mother again. And he's like, yeah, you know, my, I get it. My parents aren't prizes either, but like, they're a part of me either way. And like, you can't run away from that really. Yeah. I mean, you can send them on a bus. Send them on a bus back to Arizona. That's true. Uh, they're having this dinner. Thank you for bringing up Chaz. Uh, with all due respect to anyone named Chaz, Chaz to me is just a red flag, the name Chaz. I don't know why. <laughs> it just sounds like trouble. Much respect to any Chazes who are listening. Um, uh, yeah, it's this, this is clearly trouble already. Like Chaz is clearly not good by the way he's being played and the way he acts. Uh, again, like you said, he's kind of running his foot up on Amanda. Uh, there's a lot of debate about whether or not this is a good idea. And Chaz is like, we can all do our best to be a big, happy family. Or you two can keep feuding. It'll just get nastier. Hillary knows a lot of people in the business. Not a good enemy to have. And Jake's like, is, that, is this some kind of lame threat? You're messing with the wrong couple of people. Hillary kind of shuts Chaz down. She's like, knock it off. And then they eat dinner. Um, It's soapy. This was soapy, the whole thing. I mean, I'll give this storyline credit. This Models, Inc. spinoff seems like a much more organic offshoot of Melrose Place than the way we handled Melrose popping out of 90210. I was remembering Kelly and her friends drinking chocolate milk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so this makes sense. I mean, I, I'm not really on board cause I don't care about the models, but okay. Um, I like the part again, where Amanda was yelling at Jake about overstepping, um, and the parts about her not liking that he, she feels like he's trying to make her softer and like, I'm going to say feminize her maybe in a way, like, cause she's kind of hard and it's soapy, but I felt like she, it was a fairly astute point on her part. He does have a tendency to do that. And Chaz is clearly a piece of shit and we're going to see more of that later. I don't remember any of that stuff uh, that you're referring to, but that's okay. Um, I'm just excited to devour Models Incorporated. Oh, God. How long was that on for? One season. 32 episodes. 32 episodes? Jesus Christ. They're only available on, like, someone's old YouTube scan of the television. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That might hinder us. Nothing will stop me, Mary. <laughs> We'll see. Maybe we can negotiate something. Okay. I've learned a lot. Um, so. What was that? I've learned a lot about from watching Amanda about negotiating. Oh, have you? Got it. Good, good, good. Um, well, I th- Mary, I, I think that wraps us up. Yeah. Do you have anything else you wanted to mention? Any other little straggling bits? I just really want to underscore how, um, one, how much I love my sister-in-law, Sheila, but also how Sheila, the wedding planner, um, said to Jane, do you do tablecloths? Because that would be great for you. <laughs> it was so great. It was perfect. Oh, my God. I appreciate it. And it reminded me of my sister-in-law. 
Um, <laughs> the, I really appre- uh, enjoyed when Billy said to Allison, the important thing is we're getting married. Nothing's going to ruin that. <laughs> oh, Billy. Billy, Billy, Billy. Uh, I had a real problem with Sydney saying, you're going to go to prison and you're going to be the wife. Do you get it? First of all, yes, we all get prison rape jokes. We understand what they are. You know, <laughs> there, there was there was no need to like confirm understanding. Um, yeah. But that that really jumped out for a show that went out of their way to do the don't ask, don't tell storyline. That they thought that was okay. I think just um, reminds you how different the time was back then. Yeah, and it wasn't even a line that had like it didn't really, it didn't have to be there. Like there was there could have been something else there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So. Uh, boo to that. And uh, I just, listen, I remember watching that wig snatch moment. And <laughs> until I started watching RuPaul's Drag Race, Mary, I would never, I remember thinking that, that a plot hole was the fact that that scar is so bulky, like it's <laughs> protruding, that there's no way a wig would cover it up. And now yeah. I see the things that are covered up by those wigs. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, they would have, even in 1994 or whatever year this was, yeah, they would have been able to handle this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. What did you get? What else did you find? I really didn't have much else that we haven't already talked about. I really like, there's a very brief scene uh, before Michael really knows for sure Kimberly's back where he's at the hospital talking with Matt about it because he sees her. He's saying he sees her everywhere. He says, my conscience must be bothering me. And Matt deadpans, Michael, you don't have those. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And then he went on and Michael's asking Matt if he thinks, well, could Kimberly still be alive? And Matt says, no, you're just tired. And quote, after all, you and Sydney had a pretty exhausting courtship and the honeymoon was no picnic either. Matt's <laughs> 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 a little bitchy queen. I love it. <laughs> I wish they did. Oh. If they rebooted this, I feel like now he would do much more of this and I would love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, 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 he went for the jugular. He really did. Bless his little heart. Uh, Oh, there's, so at the end, there's one more scene with Joe at the beach. Apparently, she's just been there all week because we don't see her otherwise. Uh, the model, Sarah, runs back up. She's been rehired. Uh, and she's like, I don't blame you for what happened, Joe. And they start putting on her makeup. And Joe spots a bruise on Sarah's yep. neck. She goes, oh, yep. I just fell down the stairs. And we're like, uh-oh. Landed on my neck. Landed like you do. I mean, who hasn't landed on her neck falling down the stairs? Um, Oh, my last little favorite bit. So Sydney has been kicked out of Michael's. She shows up back at Melrose Place and she knocks on Jane's door and she's like, oh, I need somewhere to stay. Kimberly's alive. And Jane's like, you're nuts. Sydney, <laughs> oh, and she's back with Michael. And she said, it's like Night of the Living Dead over there. And Michael kicked her out. And she wants a divorce. And Jane says, blackmail isn't a very good building block for a relationship. <laughs> and Sydney still doesn't take the hint. She's like, can I please just stay with you for a while? And Jane sarcastically goes, no, I don't think so. I'd rather set fire to myself first. Sydney needs help. Michael kicked her out. He didn't even ever care about her. And Jane's like, yeah, he probably didn't. And neither do I. Michael. <laughs> I mean, Jane's not wrong, but I still, God, I always feel bad for Sydney because she, she's on the top of the world. And then like two, two minutes later, she's back in the gutter. I, she's, she's got a very unstable life. <laughs> you know, the bruise on Sarah's neck, uh, reminds me of how dark our society has become yeah because there is you didn't know me yet but i went to the john Stewart stephen colbert rally to restore sanity and or fear before the 2010 midterm election do you remember this yeah i remember that yeah um so i was there 
and I have a protest sign uh, that, that says, I am unlikely to stomp on your neck. Oh. Which would have given someone a neck bruise like Sarah had. But I had that sign because things were getting so heated. Our political dialogue was getting so dangerous that um, there was one scene where at a town hall where people were yelling about Obamacare, um, an older gentleman uh, mad about Obamacare uh, literally was stepping on someone else's neck. Like it, it had come to that. And, and now looking back, if that was the level of political violence we were dealing with, oh, so quaint, so, so innocent back then. Oh, yeah, they were simpler times. Do you think Sarah was just protesting Obamacare? Yeah, that's probably what was going on. Well, it would have been Hillary Care in 94. Yeah, I think that's right. Oh, yeah, I bet you're right about that. (laughs) I I also took pictures with someone at that protest who had a protest sign that said, bring back crystal clear Pepsi. So... Are, did you just have that sign? You don't want to admit it because <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> this week's episode of the Melrose Placecast is generously supported by the following sponsor. We've all been there. You have dramatic news to share, but ah, shit, it's a bright, sunny day. Who's going to pay attention to you in broad daylight? Everyone knows that to really get your message across, the weather needs to be as provocative as. <laughs> That's why we are so excited to be supported this week by Dr. Shaw's Wondrous Weather Widget. Dr. Shaw's Wondrous Weather Widget was developed by renowned medical intern, Dr. Kimberly Shaw, who recently found herself allegedly deceased at the hands of her fiance, but who was actually whisked back to Ohio by her overprotective and overstepping mother. Who hasn't had to <laughs> with an overbearing parent, am I right? Oh, Dr. me. I've had to. Uh, Dr. Shaw was very eager to return to her home in Los Angeles to fill the gap that she left but she knew she couldn't make her big reveal on a regular old Southern California day it's always sunny Dr. Shaw either needed to wait for a storm to roll in or conjure it up herself through proprietary technology unsuitable for me to explain right now (laughs) Dr. Shaw has developed her wondrous weather widget to help you dial up a maelstrom right when you need it to shock and awe your detractors, ex-lovers, co-workers, husbands, mistresses, or pesky neighbors into shutting up and paying attention, police. Coming back from the dead? Wouldn't you rather have your dramatic reveal accompanied by a melodramatic clap of thunder and flashes of lightning? I mean, if you just walk into your ex's beach house, that's kind of anticlimactic, right? What if you're showing back up at your job after having been declared legally dead a few months ago? You know what? Jen from HR is bound to take your COBRA application way more seriously if you walk in in a fog surrounding by you. (laughs) What about your trip back to that little Italian place you and your boyfriend used to go to when you were still illicit? Wouldn't you rather... (laughs) You want to walk in and order linguine with clams? Or do you want to use a wondrous weather widget to toss up a fierce wind that'll blow the doors wide open without blowing your wig off? Visit Dr. Shaw's wondrous weather widget dot widget. Enter promo code that little twit and you'll get a free travel umbrella with your order. That's Dr. Shaw's wondrous weather widget. Finally, the reaction you've been looking for. <laughs> Mary, oh my goodness. I didn't, we can control the weather? Only with this weather widget, which I can't would- really how it works listen listen i mean it's not like you're surrounded by a bunch of highly trained meteorologists but (laughs) oh a bunch of them 
a bunch. <laughs> it, this sounds like the breakthrough we've been looking for. I'm just a little surprised that we, um, that our, our, our intention to control the weather is not to like increase food production or prevent uh, calamitous weather events, but instead just to help people come back from the dead or make other dramatic announcements. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's human nature. We think about ourselves first. And what do you think about more than like making a point? Not much. That's what this whole podcast is about. So <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fair argument. Yeah. So, I mean, if I could, sure you could use this weather widget to increase crop yields or, you know, stop flooding and yeah. things. You could that do that. Sounds great. That sounds great. You can also do that. But Dr. Shaw really made this with the human condition in mind and really wanting to give uh, people the opportunity to make the splash that they need to make with their big news. Splish splash. Okay, listen, I'm in. I don't object to using this uh, for personal reasons either. Um, but I would worry just ethically if my uh, what I'm about to do to the weather is going to have some negative effects on others. Is there any kind of warning signs or what not to do? Or like, listen, if you want to be very foggy, that's fine, but do it when the planes aren't taking off. Like, Oh, sure. Well, the good news is the Wondrous Weather Widget really has a fairly small radius of use. So if you're kind okay. of it's really going to be centralized over like maybe a three block area at best oh so smart yes well we like you bring up a great point like you don't want to throw the whole city into a rolling blackout unless that's your intention (laughs) then you could set up i suppose multiple weather widgets and have them work together (laughs) that's great that's great that's great we really thought this through i'm so glad dr shot like you know, she's brilliant, first of all. She's she's Levin's prodigy for a reason. Um, <laughs> and not just because she's a bucking bronco. <laughs> That's your cowboy. But, uh, you know, so she obviously needed to invent this in order to make her triumphant return and reclaim what's hers. But for her to be sharing it with the rest of us, us common folk, um, so fine. Is it reasonably priced, Mary? Yes, 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 yes. That's a fine question. Um, yes, uh, you, it's eight easy payments of twenty nine ninety five. Okay, so two hundred forty dollars. Sure, that's math. And uh, you know, for, to control the weather, that doesn't seem like very much, does it? It doesn't. And and it, again, it's just the small radius. I can't get a bigger one. I would just have to get multiple. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you know once this becomes more popular on the market, it's brand new. I mean, this is the premiere of this device. I would imagine once there are many. Uh, Dr. Shaw's Wondrous Weather Widget Enthusiast, you're going to see YouTube channels pop up. You're going to see some TikToks. Yeah. People are going to come up with their own unique hacks for this device. And I can't wait. You know, and just the the different um, impacts people are going to create, some for good, some for bad, some for, um, what do they call that? when you have influence clout clout that's a good word yeah yeah all those things i just can't, i can't wait to see it the good people of america are going to get so much good use out of this it's a little bit like drone technology right like at first we were like oh great you can take cool pictures of golf courses and then we're like oh you're also peeping in windows okay let's come up with some rules about this you know, maybe you could use your weather widget to kick up some fog. So if people are trying to fly a drone by your window, they can't see oh anything. Oh my gosh. That's, this, is, this is just everything I need. I, 
listen, I'm sold. I'm going to go get one right now. Dr. Right. Shaw's weather widgets, wondrous weather widgets, right? Yes. Dr. Shaw's wondrous weather widget dot widgets. And don't forget dot to open the promo code that little twit to get your free travel. <laughs> which, which you will always have on hand when you need it because you're creating the rain. Yes. God, who hasn't wanted to control everything around them at all times? So wait, seriously, how how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> Man, I told you this, right? So there, it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God, how long? Yeah, and and. Uh, Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It, it's a two-season spinoff. Of what? What do they? Of, of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think nine hundred two one zero to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring. I I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Ally McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. Okay, so we're in for all of it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>